You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AMs, The Morning Buzz with Mankiran Audula. And we are so excited to have singer and what I like to call Canadian gem Raghav. We're going to talk about his song, Fedi Banto, which he recently remade for the Bollywood film, Fedi Banto Me Esa Ulja Jia. Raghav, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, this Bollywood collaboration is huge. The remix has reached number one in Canada. How does that make you feel? Pretty crazy. I mean, like, I've been able to see what's, uh, you know, how the music industry, both in the East and the West, has kind of evolved in the last 20 years. And this is like, it's kind of a unique analogy, you know, the idea that it's a remake of a song that was recorded 20 years ago, and then seeing how it's recharting the power of Bollywood, the fact that like a Hindi language record is number one in Canada, number three in the United States, number one in India. It's something that probably wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. Well, it definitely wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. So uh, this song has a life of its own that's gone full circle, a few circles round, you know, including at COVID when the original version started trending again. So it's just really special. And, you know, when you create a piece of art and it lasts this long and it still has legs and it's dominating charts, it's like pretty unreal for a guy that grew up in Calgary, you know? It's it's pretty awesome. And I have to say, you know, you're somebody who's really approached music differently. Like for me growing up, I love the fact that you kind of mix these really classic songs with English. And on your Instagram, you talked about your experience in the music industry, how people didn't see you as a good investment, because apparently there wasn't an audience for that. And in your time in this music industry, I mean, how have things changed? Well, you know, I, let me balance that by saying that when my career first started, it was a really unique time. There was myself and and Rishi and Jay, and it was like this amazing scene of uh, really being part of the fabric of British culture in particular, and then translating that into the Indian diaspora around the world. But I think that the, the Western music industry in the years after that sort of looked at it as a novelty, you know? And they were like, oh, well, you know, his name's Raghav, it's really Indian. Like, he's not even like, I didn't even change it to like Ricky Ray and try and be sort of, you know, where it could perhaps be culturally more ambiguous. And I think I paid a price for that, if I'm quite honest, because I think that the the people that, the way to have hit records is to make great music, number one, but you need a ton of support in order to amplify that music so that it gets out. Now, I've managed to have hits in between independently, but I think from where it, it could have gone from the first record into a bigger stage, a, a lot of that was, um, it was not based on merit. It was based on the idea that maybe this Indian thing or the South Asian thing was a novelty or there was an Indian summer they used to call it, which drove me insane, you know, because it's like, you know, my life is not one season, <laughs> you know, like uh, this, is, this is who I am. But that's changed a lot. You know, now it's really based on merit more so than it ever has been in the past. And the way that that's proven is that, you know, independent records and people that are making music in their basements is now getting out to the masses and it, it just takes a spark to kind of light it. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible to see how the industry's come full circle. And as a musician, it's exciting. And it sort of helped me have these wonderful second innings that I've had for the last couple of years and uh, both now in Bollywood and independently. And I love that you're so proud of your name because we've seen so many examples of artists sort of change their name, make it easier for people. For you, why was it important to keep your name? Because when my dad, who's no longer with us, when my dad used to go to work, uh, his name was Krishna, and they, you know, he was, they said, you know, we're going to call you Chris. And when my uh, Masaji, who's Satish, uh, he was asked to change his name to Sam. And as a child, it used to just drive me insane because I'm like, these are not hard names to pronounce. 
and I didn't understand it. And as I sort of grew older into my 20s and my 30s, you know, you accept it in your teenage years that that's what it is. But as you get out in the world, you're like, actually, that's there's something about it that doesn't feel quite right. And it's not a nickname. It's the idea that you change your name as an engineer on your business card. And, you know, when you come over uh, as an immigrant anyway, it's a wonderful country. You know, the Canadian journey has been an amazing journey for my family and my extended family. So this is not admonishing that. It's just that I thought, okay, that's totally fine. Maybe the first generation had to do that. But I think that, you know, that can change when I choose my career. Now, my career happened to be one where oftentimes people do choose a stage name. But for me, because of what I saw my dad, you know, my dad having to change his name in a, in a, in a career that had no public life, I was like, I'm not going to do it. And at first it worked out great because I caught the quote unquote Indian summer, but it did, uh, it did make life more cumbersome for me uh, later on. And how silly is that? You know, like how silly is it that in 2008, we had a president with the middle name Hussein and his name would be maybe not exactly what people would have associated with presidents in the past based on race, of course, and prejudice. And I thought that the world would have left that behind, but actually, no, I, I, I faced a lot of flack for that. And, um, the fact that that's changing now uh, through the way that we're having a discourse about fairness and how we treat people and merit, I think is like, it's pretty awesome. I think it's awesome too. And I, I'm kind of noticing, especially with this uh, next generation of artists coming up too, a lot of them are all about like, you know what? No, I want to keep my ma- my name. I want to be authentic to my culture. I'm proud of it. I think at the time you were coming up, there were people who were a little bit scared of that because the reality is the racism was very much real in the music industry back then. And I sometimes think, do you think part of it is to do with like social media now too? Because we can have all these conversations. Well, let me get into the second part in a bit. I think the first part is that it wasn't always like, we can't just say it's purely racism in the beginning. The truth of the matter is that if you have a talent and you're in the music industry and you have a shot and people are going, look, this could be some, your branding might be a little different. There might be DJs that can't pronounce your name. It's not purely racism. It's an idea of like marketability of like, okay, do I want to share my art with the world in, in an unencumbered way where nothing will get in the way and no one will feel shy? You know, in fact, in Canada, it's been quite opposite. I think the Canadian DJs have been entirely lovely, not a racist person that I can think of in that world, yet they avoid saying my name out of, out of an abundance of politeness because they don't want to get it wrong. You know what I mean? And so when I had a song like Fire that was going gold and platinum in Canada as an English language record, I found they avoided it because they were being kind. It was the opposite of being prejudiced. You know what I mean? And so in that sense, there was some truth to the fact that if I change my name to Ricky Ray, perhaps my brand would be larger, but it's not about that. It's about, you know, like, you know, I, I hope one day I keep dreaming of a day when I'll win a Grammy and I want to win it for being exactly who I am. You can't, you can't be an artist and, and give into every single thing that might help that art get there. And sometimes if the mountain climb is a little steeper, it's more rewarding. So I want to, I want to make sure that it doesn't come across like a victim thing or that like the industry's, uh, totally racist in fact at that time uh, for them to take take a chance on an artist named Raghav who's a brown kid from Canada in the British Asian music industry that that's you know I'm very lucky social media in general it, it helps me amplify my music and get it out to people and we can talk about things I got to tell you though when I see discourse on conversations like this I'm not sure that the comment section is always helpful in terms of uh, reaching a conclusion so no overall I don't think that Overall, I'm unsure, I should say, that social media 
has helped create what I would define as a lasting peace between people that have disagreements. But it definitely has allowed people to say what what they've been through. And over time, that is taken with le- less skepticism and people are starting to believe it more. And if that those conversations are open and honest, then the, we, we have to know who our allies are, the folks who are people who have no intention of, of not ba- basing their uh, a success on merit or being racist. There's more good people than bad. And it's like, as long as we have those discussions with like, hey, this is the reality of what I went through in my 30s for me, for example, then there can be kind of a greater understanding. But yeah, yeah I'm not sure. I'm not sure social media allows for that nuance. And, you know, talking about the name, especially as somebody with a unique name as well, you always know when somebody is avoiding your name. People don't think we notice, but we all notice it for sure. It's very obvious. Uh, But something I think that's really exciting about your music, too, is I find, you know, when we talk about like South Asian music, which itself is such a big category, I feel there's this tendency to kind of assume that, you know, certain genres should stay in their lane. You know, we shouldn't mix things up. But, you know, part of the success of your song, Teddy Baton, you know, 20 plus years ago was incredible because of that mixing. Do you find people are much more open now to like mixing all kinds of music? I find they've always been open to it. I think, I think the history of music is based on uh, genres and influences colliding. You know, I could, I could play you 50s Bollywood songs that are inspired from uh, Russian or uh, Jewish folk songs. You know, I could play you or Hawaiian songs even, you know what I mean? And the same holds true for pop music. But particularly for my music, it is a neon billboard sign for those of us that grew up, like I'm in a fiercely proudly Indian family, but I never felt segregated from the rest of Canadian society. So I listened to Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder and Boyz II Men. I grew up in Calgary where I was surrounded by country music. And then I would come home and listen to Muhammad Rafi and Kishore Kumar and watch Amitabh Bachchan movies and go to bed. Um, my father brought me Harry Belafonte tapes when he was working in Germany. And I fell in love with island music. And so all those things playing in different rooms of the home make up the soundtrack of what you feed your musical soul with that allows you to become a musician. So it, I think what, when mashups are contrived, that's when people don't like it. But when they feel genuine, you know what I mean? Like, like I have reggae influences on my music, but I'm not going to do one speaking patwa. <laughs> it wouldn't be genuine. No? Right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start being a, a, a rapper or an MC on my record. That would be dishonest. But when you honor that genre within and bring it into what you do, and it's genuine, that's when fusion works, and that's when it's not a fusion as much as it is the identity of who that artist is. Well said. And now let's talk a bit about this collaboration uh, with Bollywood. How did it all start? You know, I think COVID, really. I mean, at COVID, everybody was stuck at home and they started to fall in love with things that made them feel good. You know, like the entire world, uh, the pandemics, the politics of the world, everything felt like it was in an upheaval, you know? And I noticed that a lot of folks, including me, were going, like, I bought a bunch of old cars. <laughs> like, I have a 91 Jeep Grand Wagoneer and, like, stuff that just reminded me of, like, happier childhood days, you know? And I think that Teddy Baton, Angel Eyes, Can't Get Enough, those songs uh, did that for some people as well. But what was remarkable is that by amplifying that on social media, it actually allowed a whole new generation of kids who were maybe just toddlers when it came out to feel like it was a fresh record. You know, one of the most amazing compliments I get is like when one of my old songs is trending, people go, oh, this is amazing. When's it going to drop? And I'm like, you know, 19 years ago. <laughs> so it allowed for that. And then what happened was, is I think that the folks that make films and are involved in the Indian film and, and music industry decided that, you know, this song has had a life that's so long, perhaps if we amplify it through 
the biggest format, which is the Bollywood film industry, it can be mutually beneficial. And that's what happened. That's awesome. And I have to say, of course, though, I love both. But for me, of course, OG is always in my heart because the first one you hear is great. But was it very nerve wracking for you even just getting into this and be like, oh, my God, I got to remake this song? Like what was going through your head? Well, I wasn't, I was part of the remake in terms of vocaling it, but even that, like I was on the sidelines very much once they had the rights to do it. I, I kind of, you let the people that are creatively going to do it. Like you kind of have to go, okay, I've done my version of this. Now let's see what you do. And one good example of that is that, uh, I recorded the song in the original key. And then when I do my vocals to make them more exciting, I record like a stack vocal or a harmony that's exactly an octave higher. <laughs> and they ended up using Tanish Bhatia ended up using the high harmony as the lead vocal, which I never would have done. And I didn't know that till the song came out. So when I first heard that, I was like, Oh no, 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 no. So yes, it is nerve wracking because people will automatically attach it to you. And you're like, how is it going to take? But it, in fact, it ends up working. It ended up working. And of course my heart will always be with the original. It's, it's changed my life. Oh, yeah. No. And we all love that song. And even here at our station, we still we are still playing that song to this day because we love it so much. And of course, you've got some a new song out, too. So if folks want to access it, Choro, how can they? Well, Choro's out everywhere today. It's on all streaming platforms. So please go check it out. And, you know, Desperado was such a big hit for me last year with Tesher. It's kind of along those lines. So for people that love the Storyteller album, it's got those same ingredients. I did it with Mushtaq and... It is a very unique record. It has a message that's unlike one I've had in the past in my music, which will make a lot of sense when we drop the video in a week or so. So um, the reaction so far is excellent. And of course, I don't, you know, my YouTube channel doesn't have 250 million followers like uh, like the Bollywood Music Channel. So we have to work it that much harder and it's really got to go through people's hearts. So I hope you guys play it and I hope people love it. Oh, we are definitely going to play it here on Spice. Raghav, it was such a pleasure and honor to speak to you. I am so excited to see what comes. And I briefly want to ask, are we going to get a tour soon? Fingers crossed. Is it happening? Well, I'm starting a, I'm starting a tour in India in about a week and a half. Um, we're finalizing those dates. Uh, some of the dates have shifted because of the film. It's kind of we're trying to accommodate more people. So I'm doing that. I, this is the 20th anniversary of Storyteller. And it's my dream to do a North American tour where I get to uh, perform that album again, perhaps even unplugged. So if anybody in Vancouver wants to put on that event, they know who to reach out to. But I definitely want to do a North American tour, maybe in the fall. That'd be great. All right. Well, you heard it here on Spice. Thank you so much for your time again. We really appreciate it. You take care. Take care. All the best. Thank you.